Dr. Lori Batito, and this is the FML Podcast, episode 68. Perfect. I love the hey, professionalism. Hey, hey, on point. <laughs> no issue, no uh, 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 no. Our other guests go, point. Takes a, sometimes it takes a few takes with our other guests. So my name is Freddie. My name is Lido. And as she said, this is the FML Podcast. Episode 68. And um, outside of a mayoral candidate, you might be our most credible guest so far. Wow! <laughs> and let's, let's keep in mind. Thank that, you. Let's keep in mind that the other guest uh, was uh, our friend Tyler Lemko, and he was. Uh, I don't know if you were aware, but someone, some guy, was running for mayor this past election, okay. which was what, a joke. Five, four or five oh, months okay. ago, as a joke, and he was an actual official candidate. Really? And people could actually vote for him, and I'm pretty sure he got a decent percentage. I don't know. Uh, do, do you remember how much he got? It wasn't that great. It wasn't? Tell me you got at least 1%. I don't, I'll ask him, but I don't think it was that great. Hey, I hope we got at least 1%. But, um, yeah. No politics yeah. tonight. No, no, no okay. politics. No, 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 no. Unless, no Unless you want to get into Trump. Well, unless we get into sex and politics. <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's a different situation. That's, that's, that's taking us back to, what, 94, 95, Bill Clinton? Oh, yeah. Well, that, that started. <laughs> oh, yeah. That started everything. Um, but, yes, tell our listeners what you do. What's your profession exactly? All right. So, I'm a, I'm a clinical psychologist. Okay. I have a special in sex therapy and I have been doing uh, radio for the last maybe 28 years the last 19 almost 19 years I've been on CJD 800 radio in Montreal and uh, also syndicated so we're heard uh, we were heard for a while in Toronto now we're heard also in Newfoundland and it's a show about sex and relationships so that's my night job. So I do that at 10 o'clock every night. Wow. Yes. Monday every, to Friday? Oh, Monday to oh, Friday. Okay, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Monday to Friday. And then during the day, I have a clinic. So I see clients. Uh, and when I'm not doing that, I'm writing because I do. Um, I'm also the director of the Pornhub Sexual Wellness Center, mm-hmm. which is an online sexual health and wellness information site. So people who are surfing porn and what have you have another place to go for real information. For like good, solid information. And all my writers, I have a bunch of writers, they're all experts in the field of sexuality. So they're all like doctors and uh, psychologists and sexologists and all the specialists who work in the field of sexuality. And they all contribute. Plus I answer people's questions there as well. So I get questions from all over the world. So our listeners are going to enjoy this episode because she's very knowledgeable when it comes to sex. So it's great. (laughs) I have had a lot of our listeners tell us they'd like us to do an episode talking about sex or to invite a stripper or someone that like that in really enjoys porn or in the sex industry yeah. so now we got a professional but you said you're a psychologist first yes so that's my my training i have a doctorate a okay. phd in uh, clinical psychology great because i have three people in my immediate circle that studied in psychology that have a bachelor's degree in psychology but None of them work in that field. You can't. You can't. Because to be a psychologist, you actually have to go and do your PhD. So Mm. it is an eight-year minimum training. So you can't do anything with a Bachelor bachelor of Psychology. Nothing. You cannot. You can work at Starbucks, but you cannot. (laughs) You cannot. You can, unfortunately, if you want to work in the field of psychology, you, you have to keep going in your studies. You have to do graduate work. I heard that without yeah. at least a master's, no, nothing not even, is happening. Not, not even anymore. You have to have a doctorate. In Quebec, 
you need a doctorate to be licensed as a psychologist. And wow. other regions is less... Uh, no, uh, all over, I, uh, certainly all over Quebec. I don't know of the rest of Canada mm -hmm. and the U.S. might be different as well. But here, uh, at least in Quebec, you, you need a, a Ph.D., in wow. clinical psychology. And what made you want to specialize in uh, sexuality? Sexual, yeah. That's a really good question. Um, you know, I started my career not as a, as a psychologist, but actually as a social worker. So okay. I did my studies first in social work, then I transferred over to psychology. And so I worked as a social worker for a couple of years and I worked I just in, want to interrupt you two seconds. At least validate me by telling me that you studied social science in CJ. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there's hope for you yet, okay? <laughs> So as a social worker, I worked in youth protection, and there I saw a lot of kids and teenagers who had been molested, abused uh, sexually as children, and it really got my interest in working with this population. And then um, in my studies, I also had a teacher who uh, had done uh, sex therapy training, and she gave a class on human sexuality, and I just... Mm. I just really like loved that field and I was always somebody who was very open to talking about these things so it was a perfect fit for me and then I went on and did some uh, training I did a along with all my studies in university I also did a two-year training in sex therapy Ooh. so I, I spent 15 years in university and another two years of training <laughs> so I'm <laughs> sad to say but, but you know what I did it because it was good for me like I got at some point got paid to go to school so oh, okay, okay, you know okay. with scholarships and yeah. things like that so and and so it paid for me to stay in school you know today I thought about that that at some point while I was working my job was paying me to go to university and somehow some way I didn't keep going and I was like ah, that was stupid but today I was thinking about that yeah well <laughs> listen it, it's not for everybody you have to be really dedicated and perseverant you know it, it's it was tough like it, it's tough it's like it uh, this, you know going and to med school or it isn't it you isn't know? it's really discipline because it's, yeah and liking it also yeah it's because usually you're studying something that you, you like exactly or that you chose That's so right. it shouldn't be difficult when you think about it but discipline and life comes at you a lot of times and that's what is difficult to yeah manage. that's exactly true managing mm -hmm. everything like when i was doing my phd i had uh, i had two kids wow. you know I, i had so i had two maternity leaves and all of that i oh, was wow. raising babies and finishing my doctorate wow so it was rock and roll like it was you know heavy duty but i you, was determined to get it yeah. so come hell or high water i was gonna do when it you started out was it easier to be um For example, have these conversations with people around you that aren't necessarily in your field than it is now being, I guess, as an older person, as you grow, do people around you grow with you in within your field? Like, can you have these conversations with other people about sex? And I can more and more. Of course, when I was younger, you know, I, I got my, I was a sex therapist already by the time I was 25. And by the way, you look great. So you're Thank you. <laughs> I'm 54. But anyway, uh, I was really young at the time and everybody in the field was much older than I am. Uh, and now the field has gotten bigger and bigger. So people are talking more and more about it. But back then when I told people what I did, it was like, whoa. Uh, you know, yeah. well, well the, it, they kind of had misconceptions about sex, it. It was taboo. Well, imagine what it was like for me when I was dating. Yeah, I, I didn't tell people what I did. Like when I went on a date or whatever, I did not tell people what I did because 
then it was like, oh, you, you know, you must be, yeah, you must do this, that, this, that, you know, and then they wanted like a report card, you know, it's like, gee, how'd I do? Like, I was like, no, thanks. I'm not interested in that. It's like, no, no. <laughs> I can understand so, that. Yeah. Um, uh, I was just like, a lot of people don't really invest. I mean, even in health, regular, I mean, general health, people don't really like going to the doctor or dentist or whatnot. Especially guys, by the way. Yeah. yeah trust me, I know. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> so what about um, sexual health or... Worse. Worse, right? How Worse. Do, people Be- don't go at all, right? Well, they, they're sending me questions about stuff going on in their penises. Like mm. I see, I get from a lot of guys, oh, I have this big pimple on my penis or my penis looks like this or whatever go to the doctor like pictures you know i get those too i'm i'm unfortunately that's right i, I get the dick it pics comes with the yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> unfortunately um but i'm not a medical doctor so i can't oh, assess okay. that stuff yeah. but even if i even if i was you still have to go to the doctor when yeah. something is something is unusual like mm-hmm. if something appears on your penis out of the clear blue yeah. why wouldn't you go to the doctor exactly. yeah. you're more you're more uh, she's a less, mind less doctor a health, a, a it's more on doctor, the psychological yeah. side mm. so although i deal with all sexual problems mm. i can't prescribe or yeah. things like that so i work closely with the medical profession in okay. the field of sexuality but generally i'm working with people's heads not the top right. head not the bottom <laughs> head. i'd like to ask you when you have a patient a new patient that steps into your office what is the first thing that you look for? What is the first trigger? You know, what is going to help you the most with the first encounter with that person? Okay, so that that's actually a good question because the skill that I, I need to be able to do that is assess a situation quickly. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I ask all, you know, the first step is to make somebody comfortable in the office because they're coming to me with a sexual problem. They've never spoken to anybody mm-hmm. about it. So... My attitude is the most important, right? So I'm very nonchalant about talking about their sexual histories, their sexual parts, whatever is going on. So they immediately like, okay, I can tell her whatever. Uh, And I, you know, I've heard every possible story. I can imagine. Uh, So so the first thing is like, what is the problem that brings you to me? And then you know, they give me the big problem and then I kind of narrow it down to find out more specifically because the first thing I want to determine, is this something that is uh, uh, physical? Like, is this a medical issue or is this a psychological issue? So an example is if a young guy who's like, I don't know, 25 or something comes to me and says, "I, uh, I lose my erections every time I'm with my partner or I can't come when I'm with my partner. So the first question I ask is, do you get erections when you masturbate? Uh, or do you come when you masturbate? And they say yes. So it can't be medical, right? Because yeah, yeah, what yeah. I'm looking for is somebody is they're functioning. So okay. your penis is functioning fine, your arousal is functioning fine, but something is happening to you Confidence. when you're with a partner, whether it's uh, performance anxiety or like. So I start looking at all the other aspects. And then I assess, you know, sometimes they're really anxious people and sometimes it's an anxiety disorder. So at that point, I want to treat the anxiety rather than the sexual problem yeah. or so, or I work on the confidence because it's usually not just about the sex. The sex problem is usually a symptom of something else. Mm-hmm. So then I start like kind of, you know, branching out into their, the other areas of their life and see what, what's going on. Now, would you say that people of, let's say of a different 
ethnic background than Quebec's majority are more reluctant to go see a psychologist. So, you know. I can't say that for me because I have seen every religious background, oh, every, really? yeah, I've because seen. Because she's a sex therapist. That shit matters in any time. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen every culture represented. You know, sometimes I, I do need to be aware of a person's cultural background because how they were taught about sexuality, mm -hmm. what they know, what they don't know. You know, in very religious communities, for example, where you only have one partner, you only, you know, you yeah. marry, then mm -hmm. have sex. Uh, sometimes they have not had sex education. Sometimes they come to me f with the most basic questions, knowledge. like how do we do this, you know, or how, like why isn't this working? And so they don't have the knowledge. So a lot of what I do is also educational for, for many people. Um, so, but I, I see... All kinds, from from every religious community and every ethnic group. And are you surprised how little people know about sex? Sometimes it's pretty <laughs> flabbergasting. Uh, I, I see that especially when I uh, around the world because I get questions from around the world, mm -hmm. uh, thousands of questions, and I can see it just by the questions I'm getting that people mm. are getting like some countries like zero sex education, and they have no, all, they get all their information through porn. That's what we don't want, yeah. right? Today, we don't want. I would say that. Today, I think a lot, most young people probably get their information through porn. Well, that's not the right place to go. Cause Definitely that's, not. That isn't, that's not real sex. That's like learning how to drive by watching The Fast and the Furious. Yes, definitely. You know, that doesn't work. But do you think it was better, let's say 30 years ago, where our parents like were super reluctant to even engage in the conversation? Society and period not only our parents yeah, yeah exactly society too but 30 years ago there was still we, we might have had even more sex education than we have today like the state really? of sex education today is just not good but it was very kind of basic sex education but look our media people have access to a yeah. lot of information yes, so the it's a the you key you can go look for it you can look for it but the key is knowing which sites are the valid sites which is one of the reasons we created our site. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard to distinguish uh, who who's the professional. Who you know, ju it's just like getting help too. They people don't know. Somebody calls themselves a therapist. Well, you need to find out what's the background. What what degrees do you have? How much experience do you have? You know. And how bad is the digital age's impact on our view on sex these days? How what's how bad is the impact? Do you think? I, I don't know it's, if it's a, about how bad, but it's changing. So because now we have. Uh, Tinder and things like that. Yeah. So you're, you were, I'm seeing a lot more casual sexual encounters mm -hmm. that are maybe problematic. Um, less fetish, less fetishes today, believe it or not, in my office. I used to see a lot more. Part of that is because of the online community. Because now, if well, it's, it's not that. It's that if I have a particular fetish, like I've seen multiple, like, people who are adult babies adult babies are are men who like to wear diapers and <laughs> okay. they, and this turns them on and they can, they soil their diapers i'm sure they, that's not the worst thing okay no but <laughs> so that's one thing yeah. so now you just if you google diaper baby mm -hmm. you're going to find thousands and thousands and thousands of communities yeah. of people in montreal there is a like a a, a nursery for adult babies where, mm -hmm. where it's like a playroom for adult babies they have meetup groups i'm so 30 they show years up with ago, their diapers and well i don't know about that but they i, I have not been so i don't really know <laughs> how they show up and what they do exactly um but i do know that they exist so 
30 years ago, there was no access. Nobody knew you thought you were the only one on earth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So people would come to see me saying, there's something seriously wrong with me. What's wrong with me? Uh, I've never met anybody like this, so I must be crazy. I'm, you know, all of these things. So that that's what has changed today is that people have connections now. We're much more connected. Because of the internet, the of world course. is much, so much those, smaller. So for yeah. those who think that their bedroom is wild, they have something else coming. Well, there's a lot of <laughs> wild stuff going on out there, I can oh tell you right God. now. I, I know, there's definitely some freaky people out there. Well, it's, you know, you, we can't say that, her. but she, we can't, can't judge, right? Especially her, she <laughs> That's right. They're, they're freaky to you, <laughs> but, but they are part, what we know now is that there's no normal and abnormal. There is a range of normal. Mm. So, you know, one at one time, BDSM was considered very taboo mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, very marginal and even sick. Well, not today. Today, it's in the mainstream media. It's in movies. It is. It's all over the place. So it's no longer considered one of those things. So things have changed and evolved with our understanding as well. Mm. So as we uh, grow, the, the scientific community grows too, and they're studying these populations more and more because people are willing to, they have access to these people now, right? Now you could do an online survey anonymously and get yeah. answers. How did we get them before? Mm. Much harder. And nothing's new under the sun. Like anything you, thought, you think about these days has been done millions of times before. Even places that people go, like for example, uh, I was listening to one of your to your shows and uh, your guests were talking about hedonism too. The, yeah, the, it's a resort in Jamaica. It's a, okay, it's a it's a adults only uh, clothing optional resort yeah. kind of you clothing could, optional. Okay. Yeah, so there's a nude, nude, nude and yeah, yeah. prude. I said there's nude and prude, and the the nude in Mexico got them too. Yes, no, there's a few of them around. Yeah. There's that desire, temptation, hedo. There's a few different places. So, but again, those are based on. Things that we've read in Greek in Greek mythology uh, yeah. or the you orgies, know, you mean? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So nothing's new, oh, man. Nothing, no, nothing. No. Is new. And that's been going on. Now we just hear about it, but that's been going on forever yeah. too. You know, uh, group sex and swinging and wife swapping and all that stuff was going on, especially in, in, the in 60s Montreal. But it, it's Montreal, yeah. Montreal is a big underground culture when it comes to all of those. But what's things. funny is it's not even underground anymore. Yeah, it's not really. <laughs> what's funny is sometimes uh, I was looking at something a while back, and it was about this um, a man. I think it was two baseball players. That swapped wives. This was in the 70s really? or something. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember. And that. this was on TV. This was like. Yeah, it's true. I think I heard that you know story. I, mean? I think it was on. It was probably a 30 on 30 or something. 30 like for 30? Yeah, possibly. For, yeah. yeah, it's possibly. And this was like. This would never. I don't think it would ever happen now, would you think? What? A, like, As, a, like that kind of a TV show? Yeah. Well, no, they I have think, wife swapping. I think worse. But it was real swapping. Like, yeah. it was, now it's just you come at my house for a week and he goes at your yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It was right, real right. swapping. Like, we're in, you take my yeah, wife in your bed. I don't know. I'm not sure we'd do that. Maybe on a porn site or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, they do it every, every shoot on a porn site. But now, uh, outside of being a doctor, you also do radio. And yes. you said that you've been doing that for 20 years Many, ago? Many, no, much more than that. 29. So when I, when about 29 years ago or so, 28 wow. years ago, I was asked, yeah, I was, I was like 24, yeah. 25. I was asked, um, I don't know if you ever, you probably haven't, you're way too young to have heard about this, but there was a show called The Love Line on Mix 96. Yes. Okay. On Sundays. No, it? Mondays. It was Monday okay, nights. Okay. It was 11, I think it was, a, a I show. was 10 to 10 to midnight or something like that. And, um, so I started there and it was just by fluke. The, uh, the guy who was hosting that show, 
it hadn't started as a sex show. It started as a relationship show. So, and then he wanted to take it further. So he came to our clinic where I was doing, I had done my training and where I worked at the Montreal General, there was a, a human sexuality clinic and he came in asking if anybody was interested in kind of co-hosting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being young and daring, I said, uh, yes, I'll try it. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. If I suck, I'm never going to do it again. You're already a so, psychologist. <laughs> well, no, then I wasn't. Oh, then, then I wasn't. Then I was a social worker and I was a sex therapist at okay. the time. Okay. So I uh, I said yes and I started the show and it was amazing. And I did it for nine years. So, But it was a once a week show. Then that original host got a job uh, got a promotion and was the became the program director at CJD, which was a it still is a talk radio station. So I w- went from a music station to a talk radio station, a very conservative, I talk might add, station. talk radio station. But he was very daring, and I really liked that. So he offered me a nightly show on that station, and that was 19 years ago. So wow. uh, almost 19 years ago. So I've been doing that religiously five nights a week for the last. 18 and years. a half years, yeah. And how wow. did uh, Kai Ebert become a, a contributor on your show? Oh, Kai. <laughs> uh, Kai's a very good friend of mine now, but we met. Uh, so, on my show, I like to give people uh, visibility that yeah. need. So, I, I, I'm, I'm a very community oriented person, right? So, yeah. if somebody comes in, is raising money for something, or is doing something interesting, like. A, focusing on women's issues or focusing on male issues or whatever it is. If I find that it can fit my show, then I have them on Mm -hmm. and uh, let them talk and promote their whatever event it was. So I met Kai uh, actually at a fundraising basketball game for an for is this that organization you basketball? no we were just we actually the very first or the second or third time i did it um it was the sean bradwell tournament mm-hmm. and every year we do it so i've been doing it for like 10 years but uh they would take a bunch of uh radio celebrities like from bell media and then they would pit us against the alouettes Okay. So okay. it was always like this competition. So we we actually met on the court mm-hmm. right there, and then we talked. And then I he told me about an event that he had, which is called Lace It Up, which was raising money for Lucan, and it was teaching women about football. So I mm-hmm. said, "Oh, that would be fun. Come on to my show." That's how we met, and then we became really good friends right away. And then uh, like three years ago or so. I just invited him to, to kind of be my co-host on Friday nights. So and he joins he, me every Friday night. Was he open? Because he's very open on the show. Was he that open at first? Uh, he's always been very open. Okay. He like he loves talking about sex. So, uh, <laughs> you know, he can talk about himself a lot too. And that's mm-hmm. fine. That's it. it makes it fun because, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm the professional. He's the, you know, the at not least. the professional. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we get to learn a little bit about what goes on in the mind maybe of a pro athlete. But... I mean, he doesn't represent all pro athletes, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, it, it's fun and we just have a good time. I also read that the show is syndicated. And how, can you tell our listeners what it takes for a show to be syndicated? Well, it uh, usually, well, <laughs> successful is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little tougher like now in, in the radio business. If What they do is they take a show. My show was simulcast. Okay. So it was simulcast in Toronto. And it what does was, that mean? It's simultaneously means it, it's, casted yeah, in different both. places? Right. And I can get calls from both okay. Toronto and Montreal. Mm. So that was going on for a bit. And then they stopped. Because, you know, they have their own people and yeah. their own mm. whatever it is. So I'm no longer in Toronto. 
I'm in Montreal, but Newfoundland packages my show. So in other words, they will take the week of shows, oh. uh, make uh, three hours of it, and every Sunday night play three hours of Dr. Laurie, oh, you know, cool. so they do they do that. Um, but now with the web and everything, like yeah. I have listeners from all over the world mm-hmm. so that even text in and, and, and such, so or that email me, so... It's a whole other world because we're on iHeartRadio. So, oh, are you know, you? people yeah. are on the app and they're listening. I also put up my podcast of the show. So, every show I do goes SoundCloud. up on my website mm-hmm. on SoundCloud. So, we get a lot of viewers after after the fact. Yes. So, it's changed the, the way the, we the do things a little it, yeah. bit. Yeah. So, would you say that makes it way more difficult for a radio show to be syndicated today with the internet? Being the way it is, uh, I don't know much about the whole syndication process because I've never cared it, for. It? I never really cared. I do my thing, and if somebody wants to, if somebody wa- you know asks and wants to do it and wants to take it somewhere else, then I, I'm open. Like mm-hmm. it's not, it's my goal isn't to be a world famous. I really don't care. I just want to do my <laughs> thing, help out whoever I can, and if it helps people, that's mm-hmm. good. But from radio, I've done so many other things. Like I hosted a TV show for two years. Okay. So I had like it was called Let's Talk Sex. We did four seasons of it. What was it on? Um, it was it was on uh, at the time. It was a cable channel called Men Men TV. Okay, and that was great. It was a lot of fun. I've done uh, you know writing for magazines when magazines were the thing. <laughs> so now that writing, too is dead with the internet. That too is yeah. dead, right? <laughs> so I was writing for magazines, and then uh, two and a half years ago or so, I published my first book. So I did a book for people over 50, like it's called the sex Bible Mm -hmm. for people over 50. I've also done Ted talks. Yes. So I've done two Ted talks. Um, so, you know, I branch out here and there and I, I never say no to opportunities that seem interesting. Like to me, that's my philosophy. Like if it's, that's my, my life philosophy, say yes to Mm -hmm. things and see where it takes you because you know, I always say like radio chose me. I didn't choose yeah. it. You know, I, I didn't study radio. I'm not a broadcaster by trade. Uh, none of that. I just happened. I just happened to be at the right place at the right time and became good at what I was doing. And, and, and the rest is history. So it, I'm blessed that I'm doing something I absolutely love doing. Is that uh, why Brazzers eventually uh, came into your door uh, and asked you to be a part of their company when it comes to sexual education? Well, as the let's say as as the voice of Montreal's sexual health, let's mm-hmm. say uh, it was a natural fit, and uh, we met together to come up. We came up together with this project. They wanted to do something community based, and I wanted to reach more people. So we came together. We came up with this site, and it's been a huge success. What's the What's the site? It's called the Pornhub Sexual Wellness Center, okay. uh, and we've had millions and millions of visitors. And thousands upon thousands I mean, of questions. Huge, biggest, I was just going to say, for biggest, y'all listeners well, that go on Pornhub, listen to the website. Maybe I could visit, you know, get some education before that's right. you get your freak on with the computer. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Or at least right after. So, you know, you kind of know what you're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it, it's really good because it... Um, for me, it was important to... Like, for me, it's all about reaching people and helping, right? Yeah. So, when that opportunity came up, it was like, why, why would I say no to reaching... Like, there was no other way for me to reach that many people mm-hmm. ever yeah. ever right mm-hmm. so it was like i'm not gonna i'll take my chance like it was a risk because it meant that i would forever be associated with a porn site yeah 
Uh, so I got a lot of flack for it in really? the media at first, at first. Uh, but that kind of died down when they saw that it was a quality site and it's uh, it's a free site and there's no ads on it and it really is a community mm. program and they've continued it and no crazy so, pop-ups no pop-ups <laughs> no, no no nudity like nothing so uh and you know it's it's been really great the 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 feedback has been awesome now back to your profession i'd like to ask how important is sex therapy in and out of the relationship? Well, you mean like se- just like the sexual relationship? How important is it to partake in sex therapy when you're in a relationship or even outside of a relationship? Well, it depends. What If you have a problem, then the, the worst thing to do is keep thinking it's just going to go away on its own, mm-hmm. right? And people tend to do that. They just shove it under the carpet, shove it under the carpet. But yeah, for how long? So sometimes they come and see me and it's like seven years of yeah. shoving uh-huh. this under the carpet. That's a problem, mm-hmm. right? In the end, like it's so much water under the bridge that it's harder to, it's just, it's harder to overcome. And so people tend to feel awkward. So I see that a lot is of, why it takes right. seven years. Well, it's just, I see people who put it off and put it off and then they stop having sex mm-hmm. and then they don't know how to get back into it. Mm-hmm. Like, what do yeah. we do? You know, like, do we just start making out? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what do we, what do we do? So there's that element to it. You and know? in one of your episodes, I was listening and you said that some people have sex nine to 10 times. Some couples have sex nine to 10 times a year. Oh, a, a quarter of couples have sex under 10 times a year. Is that normal? A Is that quarter normal? of couples? Mm-hmm. Is that considered normal now? Or? It's not, again, you're, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that you word, see, yeah. right? That word. <laughs> if two people yeah. in a relationship are having sex, whether it's two times a year, 10 times a year, or 50 times a year, if it fits for them, if mm-hmm. nobody is upset, if they're not distressed by it, if it's just the, their beat and their rhythm and that's what works for them, then it is normal. Mm, doctor, it's not a problem. Okay? I'm not going to lie to you. I'm sure the man is not satisfied. I d- <laughs> well, you'd be, wait, you'd be surprised because, you know, a, a lot of the men that I see in my practice, they're the ones with low libido and oh. the women are have the higher libido. Yeah. So yeah. we assume that, you know, all guys want it all the time, yeah. but you have guys who don't want but i think it it most likely at that age it most likely is performance anxiety it depends it all depends you know in terms of libido many things can affect libido yeah many many things your your brain your stress levels other things that are going on you know and for yourself like in your personal life how difficult is it to step back from being dr laurie and just being laurie when it comes to like, you know, like in your everyday life, because I guess people come at, come to you like outside of your practice or outside of the radio yeah, I mean, show. It, you know, sometimes I get I'll get recognized or my voice is recognized yeah. or I'm wow. in a restaurant. And people say, hey, aren't you Dr. Lori? I recognize your voice or wow. I do walk. You know, I have a jacket that says CJD. That helps. <laughs> um, then. Uh, but, you know, the only t- thing that bothers me, but I get it. It's part of doing what I do is that if I go to a party not family, but like a friend's party or a social gathering. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm walking in Costco, Mm -hmm. I will have people come up to me and share with me some details of their sex life. And I'm like, God, I'm, can I just shop? Like, Mm -hmm. I really, really, really don't want to know about your stuff. (laughs) Or can I just chill today? Like I'm (laughs) off the clock. Can I just party like everybody else? I, I usually tell them I'm off the clock. I'm off the clock, wow. but I'll get questions like, oh, Lori, Lori, 
what's the weirdest thing you ever heard? Or what's the craziest thing you ever heard? And I'm like, I can't think right now. Yeah. I, I had too, one too many drinks. It's okay. So, Dr. Like, Lori, what's the craziest thing? You- <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me. And then, like, do people, like, let's say you have, like, a dinner at home. Do people expect you to have all the answers, start acting, asking questions or whatnot? You know what? In my family, we've always talked about sex around okay. the dinner table and whatever. So, really? Oh, yeah. It's never been a, uh, it's always been a regular source of conversation. What's your background, if you don't mind? Uh, I, I was, was born, I was born in Casablanca, Morocco, okay. actually, but okay. I was raised here. So I've been here 50 years. Okay. I, I am a, I'm an immigrant uh-huh. to uh, Canada, but mm-hmm. I, I've been here 50 years. Your so raised in English. Morocco? My parents are, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. I thought it was an Italian name. Me too. I have an Italian background. Like there's Spanish background. Okay, or so my mother is Spanish, okay. actually. Um, my well, yeah, exactly. And uh, I did my DNA testing recently and <laughs> found out that I am uh, something like thirty three percent Italian. So uh, you're right. Okay. <laughs> I just don't know my Italian side, but okay. you're right. Okay. Yeah, I'm and nor do crazy. I speak it. <laughs> So, um, with all the sexual uh, misconduct allegation that's been going around, I've always said the work is to be done on younger boys and also younger yes, girls. Yes, absolutely. Instead of focusing, putting all the focus on old dogs that can't learn new tricks. Right. What well, do you- I, I do think everybody can learn new tricks mm-hmm. if they want to. Mm-hmm. So, I don't, you know, I think making people, sensitizing the older generation because they grew up where it was normal for men to kind of do that, you know, think, mm-hmm. do this to women. Like, think about uh, uh, that show, uh, Mad Men. Yeah. You know, yeah, how do they yeah, treat yeah, women, yeah, right? Yeah, women do yeah. that thing and wi- men do that, you yeah. know? There's a climate or a, a, a thinking, but I think that everybody is capable of evolution and evolving, but you need information to do that. You need knowledge. Knowledge is power. Knowledge mm. is what changes the world. So I think that we need to go to the younger grades. We need to start at a very young age teaching about respect, teaching about consent. And I'm not talking about sexual consent when you're young, but like you just don't go and steal somebody's toy. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't take it. You ask their permission first. So once you you start teaching that kind of thing. That's right. Don't don't take no cookies from anybody without asking. You can't just grab it. You can't just grab it. You can't just, you know, you're a little boy and you like this little girl and you want to go hug her. Well, you can't just grab her. Uh. You can't just kiss the little girl. Even though we all think, oh, that's so cute. Except that if we start teaching at that age... Uh, and we teach girls to say, hey, back mm. off. And we teach boys to ask first. You're starting to lay the groundwork for, for sexual consent later mm. on, right? Well, there goes my first two years of high school. <laughs> <laughs> Should you have been thrown in jail? <laughs> I mean, in the hallway sometimes, you know, the thing was like, you know. To grab, grab somebody. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, you don't do that. <laughs> yeah. You don't. As long, I mean, it was wrong then as long as you're not doing it now. So <laughs> That's right. We'll give you that pass. Let's hope nobody comes back to bite you at this point. I really hope so because every don't, man is falling. Don't get too uh, famous. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And uh, so, so what's the right way as a parent to um, to teach about sex? Because we're both, you know, parents. Of, I have a, I have a Two kids younger. Oh, you seven, look so. You look like kid yourself. You both have <laughs> kids. 35. Yes. You're what? Thirty-five. Thirty-five. Yeah. Oh, Twenty-three. You, good genes. Good genes. Good genes, both of you. Man. So how do you oh, teach man. kids? Um, you at that s- age, yeah. You start at the vi- yeah. you start yeah. right away. So yeah. the, the the please the, help me. Yeah. <laughs> how old are yours? I have a young daughter. She's and I. How old is she? She's only eight months. But she's eight I months. Just saw oh, a birthmark, wow. and I'm like. <laughs> 
And I told her, but she's a baby. She's like, no boy's ever going to see that birthmark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, remind me, you remind me of my husband who used to right? tell the girls, penises are poison. Penises are poison. <laughs> Trying to teach them that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Not going to work. Um, but it starts with um, being uh, kind of like nonchalant about sexual sexuality. Mm. So if you make it part of everyday conversation, I don't t- mean like tell them what to do, how to do whatever, but you start with like just naming body parts, right? You know, often we tell, we ask our kids, what's this? Mm-hmm. What's this? You know, that's your mouth. That's your nose. Do you ever notice we never point to the genitals, yeah. no. yeah. right? So, but why not? So kids start to learn, huh? He asked me about my elbows, my nose, mm-hmm. my eyes. So it would be innocent. So, it, it should be innocent, mm-hmm. okay? It should be like like every other body part because mm-hmm. otherwise kids start to realize, wait a second, everything down here must be taboo. Or yes. I must not be, I shouldn't say anything. Mm-hmm. But they need the language. So we don't, you know, we use proper language. Don't use pee-pee and flower and you know, tell them the real words for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the first that's thing. I don't think I knew the word penis or vagina before like five years old. So, so I don't even it, teach vagina. It's vulva. Vulva is the uh, actual word. Is it? Yes. The vagina is the whole. Okay. And uh-huh. the vulva is the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, also, even you don't think it would be a good, good idea to even name it like the PP instead of the penis? No? Absolutely not. Oh. I go with the penis, the scrotum, testicles. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Real terms. Real huh. terms. Right. So you start it with that. And then uh, if you have young kids, you know that once they discover their genitals, little boys who discover their penises, little girls discover that when they touch themselves, it feels good. Mm-hmm. So your first reaction as a parent very might young. be at uh, very young, sometimes yeah. like babies, very young babies. Yeah. So or, you're telling me I'm going to have to attach her hands. <laughs> no, <laughs> you do that. You're screwing her up. I'm telling you now. Um, but you know, the, the first tendency is like, don't touch yourself yeah, or, yeah. Or, or like stop or distract them or whatever. The best approach is to let them know that their bodies feel good, mm-hmm. that it's okay. Oh yeah. It doesn't, that feels good. Like your, your daughter might say to you, uh, oh, daddy, that feels good when I touch here. Like she's in the bath. And you're going to say. No, don't do no, that. No, you're not. <laughs> Lito, you're going to say, yes, honey, it's supposed to feel good. That part of your vulva is the clitoris. And it feels good. However, then you teach them about yes, privacy. <laughs> but but then you have to talk about privacy, right? Yeah. You can touch it. It's your body. But again, you're talking about consent and respect. Okay. It's your body. You could do whatever you want with it. No, it's true. your body. And so, but you do it privately. Yeah. And that's where you, so you teach kids about privacy. Like you have to go with their developmental level, obviously. I'm still And then they'll ask, well, like, get, I'm not even get lie. used when, to it, buddy. When she does a big doo-doo yeah. and you have to clean and everything yeah. when you have to open like i cringe i'm like man i don't want to go there <laughs> you have to but you know it's like yes ah. you gotta go it's much easier to clean a boy <laughs> i can tell you age, that from experience at a certain age i think you have to teach them in the well obviously they can't clean themselves as a baby mm-hmm. but yeah like i think when my daughter was like three or four i started teaching her how to take her own bath because i don't Yes, washing her privates. At some point, you might yes. go to, to, to a friend's house or to an uncle's house. To yes. That's house right. And it, that's I'd a good point. You wash yourself than someone else right. washes you. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly it. So you can tell her, mm-hmm. hey, now you're big enough that you can wash your yeah. private parts yourself. Remember, they're private. Nobody is allowed to touch mm-hmm. you in your private parts unless you give them permission. Yeah. So that if, God forbid, at five years old, God nobody's... forbid, <laughs> a friend, you know, an uncle, whoever. 
she will come to you and say, Daddy, mm. Uncle so-and-so touched my private parts. Mm -hmm. And I told him no, that mm -hmm. it was private. And then at least you'll be alerted. So we're actually protecting kids from sexual abuse. It's the kids who have no knowledge, yeah, who it's where true. it's completely taboo, very true. who can be manipulated more easily mm. uh, and who are more likely to be abused. So, you know, you got to take all of that into consideration. It'll take some years for me, doctor. I'm not well, gonna you know, we may it. we may need a consultation or two together. I'll give you the I right may. books. I'll give you the books I to really read. May. I better, really better, now, better now than later. I'll tell you that much. Uh -huh. Now, I, we'd like to ask you some questions that our listeners have sent to you. Sure. Uh, they wanted to know first. How should someone bring up the idea of using sex toys in the bedroom? That's a really good question. And I, this is from a guy? Yeah, apparently. Okay, that's yeah. good. Uh, well, sex toys are fun. So today, everybody uses, well, it's like it's all out there. You yeah. have these huge sex, you know, sex mm -hmm. toy boutiques and you see them everywhere. So there's nothing taboo about using sex toys. They just, it, you know, they add to your sexual repertoire. So you might want to, like, I wouldn't go to the store and buy a, big ass dildo, dildo and bring it home and say, Hey honey, look what I have for you. That might be a little much, but you might suggest, Hey, how about we go to one of those big, uh, sex boutiques and look around together together. Mm -hmm. That's the best way to introduce mm -hmm. it because then you can actually have conversations about it. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, how does a man in a new ish relationship bring up the subject of porn consumption? I guess I was from the same person, but I guess men or women press play. <laughs> it depends. You know what? It depends on how uh, how compulsive your porn consumption is. Mm. So if if you watch porn three four hours a day and you're masturbating Damn. a lot, then the likelihood is you're not going to be able to perform with your partner, yeah. and that is a problem. And that's an addiction or mm -hmm. a compulsion that needs to be addressed. But you know, your average person can watch porn a few times a week for 10 to 20 minutes and masturbate and, and they're fine. Yeah. Like not everybody who watches porn is an addict, maybe one between one and 5% or so something. What would classify someone as an addict? Well, it's not just how much porn, but how much of their time and thinking space is dedicated to porn. You know, are they at work and thinking about what they're going to watch? Do they go to the bathroom at lunch and watch porn on their smartphone and jerk off? Do they like, what do they do? How is it, is it impacting consuming. their life consuming? Is there, usually there's guilt and there's shame around, um, the, the compulsive activity. It doesn't, mm -hmm. it, it feels good on the moment and then it feels like crap after. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, an, a, a person like who watches porn no, normally will not feel crappy after. They'll feel good. Okay, guys, it's like I'm hungry, got my fix, off yeah. I go, rest of my day. But if you're constantly thinking about what am I going to watch? How am I going to, when am I going to, what, you know, who's going to be home? Nobody's going to be, and, and like all these things, <laughs> oh, then your life is consumed by yeah. it. And then you're going to have trouble in your relationship. So hiding that from your partner when you have an issue, your partner will discover it. How do you bring in your partner into your porn consumption? Maybe? Okay. Well, you know, I th but that's a very valid question because if it's part of your sexuality yeah. and part of something you enjoy doing, what he's trying to do is test how his partner feels about porn also. Mm -hmm. So imagine you, your partner says, I think porn is sick. I think people who watch porn are degenerates. I think, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, he's going to be like, Ugh, how Maybe do I, this one won't I'm last. not going to bring up 
porn. If she feels that way, then you have a choice to make. Do I, can I stop porn watching for this person because of how she feels? Because you can be sure that if she discovers it and she feels that way, it will be a huge betrayal to her. She will experience it like a betrayal. I'm Some not saying women it actually do. Is. Yeah. You're Some women really on. actually cheating. feel like a man watching porn cheating. is like, like cheating. almost cheating. Yeah, on because you're looking at some other woman and I'm the only one you should be looking at. And they don't make the distinction between what's fantasy and what the person actually wants in real life. Uh, they may not understand it, but they may have their own feelings about it. You can't change somebody's feelings uh, about, about it, it wherever they come from. So you need to find somebody who can be compatible in those values with you. Hmm. Explain this to me for myself. I've always found um, sex scenes in movies or shows uncomfortable, but I've never really had a problem, real problem with porn. Like, like let's say I'd be with, with someone watching porn. I, w I wouldn't have a problem with it, but let's say we're sitting watching a show or a movie. I find it weird to watch a sex scene. I think it, it may be because it's within the context. It has a context when okay. you're watching a, a movie mm, okay. that has a sex scene in it. Like there's a whole story behind it, mm. right? It's like when you're just watching porn, it's like eating a bag of potato chips. Yes. Like it, you're just focused on that and, <laughs> and that's it. But when you're watching like a whole movie, yeah. there's a lot more going on. Yes. So and it might be that. Thinking about it as we're speaking about it, also, what I think it is, is, you know, when you're a kid and your parents, I mean, sex scenes came on, they're like, oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what stayed with me. That's I think right. This day, that's right. Watching a movie with one of my parents and there's a sex scene, I feel uncomfortable <laughs> to this day. Most people do. Most people do. And I think um, you're right, Phil, is that that's exactly what it is, is it's where, you know, how you grew up. If, if your parents kept doing this to yeah. you and, and closing your eyes, Right away, it's so, like, oh, this channel, is taboo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, no, no, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. So it kind of stays with you, you know, that kind of then thing. Then how the, how the hell do I, let's say I'm watching a show with my daughter and something happens. Because I remember she, she liked um, Glee. Oh, yeah, but there's and there's a lot of. There's, that, that's it. I, not I that appropriate. let her watch it because there's yeah. a lot of. A lot of it went over Making her head out? if she's yeah. only, how old is your she's, daughter was she like was watching it six? A lot of it probably goes right over her head, but important to be able to say like, that's adult behavior, yeah, you know, okay. like, so she understands, but certainly you wouldn't want your children to see sex scenes. That's yeah. for sure. That's not to say though, that young kids aren't accessing pornography Obviously. accidentally on the you're, internet. You're, mm. access, you're trying to watch a, a show online and. Well, pop ups. Or pop it's not. It's not even that. Imagine your kid suddenly wants to know about beavers. They're googling <laughs> beavers. What do you think they're gonna get? What's a beaver? What's the sexual term? Sexual uh, term uh, of uh, beaver? I don't know. A beaver in English is basically uh, your the vagina. Like oh, it's I didn't not, know that. not the vagina, but the the Email, whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, with hair, I guess. Yes. <laughs> Generally, it's an old term, actually. I guess, right? It's an old term. But they may get it, right? Yeah. Or they, I don't know, they could be... I uh, know for myself at a very, I'd say, well, probably around 8, 9, 10, 11, like, I knew a whole lot about sex. Okay, well, but that's really young. So yes, think about I know that. It, right? I know, I know. Exactly. Really and young. you got, and how did you access it? Through porn? Uh, well... Did you have, sometimes if you have an older brother or. No, there was magazines, there was Bleu Nuit, Saturday nights. Ah, yeah, yeah. Your parents oh, have to, you see, this is where parents have to <laughs> watch out, right? Bleu Nuit, I remember. But I, it was scrambled. 
No, it was on oh, TV. Oh, you had no, it. It was on TQS, actually. Oh. TVO, TQS, one of them. I can one tell you that in Quebec, they're much more avant-garde uh-huh. f- on the French side than on the English side. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they'll talk about sex in the middle of the day, no problem. I was just I telling mean, them that. that yeah, that, I've been on uh, multiple French uh, French shows media. on CBC mm-hmm. and whatever else, and uh, or Radio-Canada, and they have no problems talking <laughs> about sex in the middle of the day. I could say the word penis, vagina, anytime. Mm-hmm. But... An English radio, Forget not it. so much. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny the difference in the culture. Yeah. Um, another much more question: open. How comes? And I learned this term today. How come some women are femme fontaine, aka squirters, squirters. and others are, aren't? Well, that's a, always an interesting question because there's still not too much research mm-hmm. in that area. Some people say really? every woman can but, do uh, it. But let me, no, not not quite exactly. Some people do you say You need that, to though. know the structure of a, of a woman's internal body. So okay. 75% of Tell women, me. 75% of women need external stimulation mm-hmm. to orgasm. Mm-hmm. The squirters are usually from the internal, from mm-hmm. a massaging. See, the clitoris is not just what you see. It's not just the little bit that sticks out that you can feel with your mouth or your or your fingers. Mm-hmm. There's a whole structure. There's a part that goes in. It's the shaft of the clitoris. Mm-hmm. The clitoris has legs that go around the internal vagina and has bulbs. So for those women where the clitoris is the distance between the the clitoris and the vaginal opening is shorter, Mm -hmm. they actually get more stimulation on the inside. So you have those women who can enjoy that kind of stimulation and and um and also if you like it's called like g-spot stimulation yeah. but is it really the g-spot we don't even know anymore because now we know that the clitoris the bulb is there so massaging that area might actually produce more intense orgasms when you have access to it but we're yeah. all built a little bit differently Obviously. so but you, we need to know that orgasms for women come from multiple places all related to that big internal structure. There's also nerve endings at the top, like near the cervix. There's nerve endings all over the place. So, so that's women are different. Like you, same, same answers, not to cut you off, same answer as to why some women can't have orgasm through penetration. That's right. Okay. That's exactly why. Most women cannot okay. have, uh, most women, most 75, women cannot. 75% of women cannot have an orgasm through penetration. So it's, it's the actual rubbing then, it's not the actual It's the pressure. Yeah, it's, okay. So like she might be able to, if, if she's on top and she's pressing mm-hmm. her pubic area against yours because she's able to press mm-hmm. against that clitoris, yeah. the, the structure, then yes. But she has to figure out what works for her. But a lot of guys are like, I don't understand. Mm. What's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? You're not doing anything wrong. This is how women are built like... You know, stop looking for trying to make her squirt, trying to find this. Try, just make sure you They're do just, what she wants mm. and if and the kind of stimulation she wants. Every man is trying to be a porn actor. Well, it's ridiculous. <laughs> that's, that's when I get guys with performance anxiety in the office. It, like, it really, seriously? Yes, it really, it really, it's a serious problem. That really causes it, though, because <laughs> yeah. they compare themselves to those men. Yes, but those are the same men who are likely to have, you know, re- erectile dysfunction. Or no, but they come, they have erectile dysfunction or they're premature ejaculators because mm. they're so anxious about it that uh just let you know it flow. yeah <laughs> just let it flow just focus on her pleasure you'll see a little bit different when you ask her what just she actually flow, likes maybe she'll flow yes that's right <laughs> good one what stimulatory part of the body 
do we often forget about? What erogenous zone, I guess, that we often forget about? You know, we all have different erogenous zones. Some people love to have their earlobes rubbed. Mm. Some people love uh, a, a tickle kind of uh, touch. Some people don't like that. We're all different. So it's really important that we explore that with our partner okay. to see what works for us. Look, sometimes uh, nipple stimulation doesn't work for every woman. Some women love it. Some women don't. That's true. Right? Or it's different part of the breast. Yeah, or different parts of the breast. I yeah. think the one place that maybe women neglect on men is the area between the, the testicles and the, yeah. and the the anus. Oh, that that yeah. area there is because if you press up on that, you can massage. At least you get close to the prostate. The problem with I'll tell you with most men is they in their mind you're going for the anal part. Yeah, and they don't like. Stay that. away from me. Well, I was just reading a very interesting uh, article on a practice called pegging, and pegging is. Is a straight couple where the woman wears a strap on and penetrates Whoa. her partner. Uh, and apparently it's more common than we think. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with orientation, has nothing to do with, oh, he must be gay. It's not. It's about the fact that men enjoy anal stimulation. Some men, some men don't want to know about it. Mm -hmm. Just like some women. Some women really enjoy it. For some women, it feels really good. And for other women, it hurts like hell. Or some so, women you don't know, want to know about it too. That's right. Men, so yeah. you need to talk. I like this some, is Apparently some men, it's about letting go of that power that they have. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's letting go. Like those men who enjoy it, enjoy being the passive recipient yeah. and that kind of I guess is, is now, one explanation. Nipple, um, stimulation leads perfectly into our next question. How important is foreplay uh, for a woman to have an orgasm? For women, it's vital. She does, A woman needs foreplay, not intercourse. Mm. A lot of men go right for the intercourse mm, thinking that's, that's where her know. pleasure is. You should spend as much time as possible on foreplay and get her to come before you go in there. Because that's where she comes. That That's where you have access to the, her most pleasurable spots is from the outside, not the inside for most women. So, uh, and finish it off with, uh, with intercourse. Is a lot of, just, just saying a lot yes. of guys think that women want guys to last for hours, uh, to, to, Pump away and pump away and pump away. Like Women 15, do not want that. They don't. Okay? Women do not want that. Your average guy will ejaculate between two and five minutes of thrusting. Your average guy. Two to five? Yes. But don't forget, you've spent... 15 minutes on yeah. foreplay. Mm -hmm. You're highly excited already, mm -hmm. right? You're highly aroused. And that's all she really needs because you've already given her her orgasm. You've already given her all her stimulation. She's highly aroused. She may not need more. And that is the reality. One thing I can say to, I mean, not that I'm an expert, but something like <laughs> A <laughs> personal is, expert, yeah. Is guys should really start asking the woman what she likes. There's no question about it because Definitely. every woman is different. Yeah. And it's like, you, you know, you're not going to buy a new appliance and not read the owner's manual. Mm -hmm. You would want to look at the owner's manual to know where the buttons are, right? <laughs> okay. And if you buy a new appliance that has new buttons, you yeah. want that owner's manual. Mm -hmm. They're similar, but not quite. Right? So you still need to check. So sexual communication is really, really important because you need to find out what works. 
you may have a trick, you know, where, oh yeah, I've used, this is my signature move. And you're thinking, ah, oh, this is good. This will work every time. And then you meet somebody and it doesn't work. Yeah. And you're like, what the hell? Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with her. She just needs something different. Mm -hmm. So no signature moves. Hmm. Just know how to use your tongue the way she wants it. Know how to use your hands the way she wants it. Perfect but, you segue, know, by the way. Gotta ask. But actually, <laughs> no, actually, I'm not there yet. Because I'd like to come back to what you said. The average man will last two to five minutes. Mm -hmm. And now a personal question, because we all have our good days and bad days. You That's know? right five minutes to 30 minutes but okay when it's five minutes i'm like damn i gotta redeem myself so now you're saying two to five minutes is like normal that's right foreplay and all that but what would be a trick because i'm pretty sure most men would like to know a to tip last to longer. last longer well the only thing is is to know when you get close to that point of no return like that point where it's gonna go you go over the edge and you have to slow things down The only thing you you can do is practice slowing down, starting up, slowing down, starting up again. So I've been so, doing it right my whole life. You know, and that's fine. <laughs> But please accept, please accept that there are going to be days, like you say, you're going to have fast days, not yeah. so fast days. If you just masturbated in the morning and you have sex at night, it's probably gonna, you're probably going to last longer. If you haven't had sex in three weeks, it's going to not last long. Mm -hmm. So like, it's okay. Like women, you think women care. They really don't. Uh, if it's the first time they do. Well, if it's just a sexual relationship, then all they nah, want, then well, all they want is a performance. Or maybe it's, it's a mental thing. Like you don't want to the first time. No, and it's, that's an ego thing. That's an ego thing. I yeah, guess. I, it is. A lot I of guess. men will lose their erection the first time or will come really yeah. fast the first time. But again, it depends. What's the purpose of where who you're with? You know, is this is it just you as still a sexual put on thing? A good impression the first time. Well, you see, you're putting on a show, <laughs> and and the thing is, sex is not just about a performance. No. Okay. Definitely. So, you know, when we make it into But, a performance, well, what, it's a problem. I think, I think also um, when you make if if you want to last longer, I think if you make it about her more than you make it about you. Then you'll, you'll automatically you'll last, last longer. Yeah, you'll automatically last yeah. longer. Yeah. yeah. Well, I always say one thing. Premature ejaculators make the best lovers because they know they come fast. So what do they do? <laughs> they spend a shitload of time <laughs> on foreplay and they make sure their mm -hmm. partner comes so that she doesn't even care. Mind, really. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Now, the ton 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 question. Uh-oh. Um, Well, in the person's term, is ass licking the new oral sex? Um, I would say anal sex probably more or anal play. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure about ass licking or rimming as the term is, but... Um, is the term. That's the term we're looking for, but we're so rimming. unfamiliar. I can't remember the term. We yeah. don't know. It's called rimming. <laughs> um, listen, anal play is fine. If, if that's your thing and you like it, And, and, you know, the area is clean. Obviously, you, you know, you, you didn't just take a dump and then go, go for it, right? There's bacteria there and whatever. So you want to make sure that things are clean. Um, and I said shit. <laughs> My reaction was you want, shit. You want to make sure, you know, you do things properly. You, don't, you want to avoid bacteria. Mm -hmm. But anal play, there's a lot of nerve endings in that area. So it's pleasurable for most people, for many people, not everybody, not everybody wants it. Like a lot of people like stay away from the back door, stay away from the back door. That's fine. I, we have to respect people's, uh, limits. You can't pressure somebody to do something they don't want to do. 
And that's a mistake that people make. They, you know, guys will say, oh, come on, oh, come on, oh, come on, do it, do it, do it. And they keep going at it. And eventually the partner's like, you know what? Like, I'm done. Like, stop, stop. This is pressure and I don't want it. And then they turn off sex and then they avoid it. And then, you know, all kinds of things happen. So you don't want to pressure your partner into doing something they're not ready to do. I don't know if you remember, but we had a friend back in college that was way ahead of his time. He was getting rimmed like regularly. I remember. remember <laughs> I remember his I remember his thing. He was like, yo, if ever a girl licks my ass, I'ma let her do it. But I'm kicking her out right after. <laughs> was, this was like 15 years ago. Yeah. Well, nobody was getting uh, quote unquote well. Nobody we was talking about yeah, it. Maybe, nobody yeah, was yeah. talking about it. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. just we have terms like rimming and teabagging mm-hmm. and Things like that, well, you know, that, that are, okay, but there's, I mean, you know, yeah. there's all kinds of. How would you say you can safely have anal sex with your partner? That's a really good question. Uh, and it's a good lead in from that one because you have to have safe, like anal sex is more risky than any other kind of sex. And the only, and the reason why. Because it's is, not made for that. Well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You could be right because mm. the tissues aren't aren't mm-hmm. solid mm-hmm. like they are in the vagina. That's for sure. The so, Lord said no. <laughs> don't bring the Lord into this, or I'll be da- in damnation forever. Uh, so yes, the the rectal tissues are uh, much more prone to cuts and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So obviously, if there's a cut and there's bodily fluids. You know, that's the source of infection, right? It it, they, it travels into the bloodstream through those cuts. Mm-hmm. So you have to be really careful. So if you're going to practice uh, anal sex, you have to make sure there's a lot of lube, that you go really, really slowly, really slowly. You pay attention to what your partner is saying. If she's, you know, if she says, or he Cringes says, anyway. ouch, or it's killing me, whatever, stop. Never push yourself in. Mm-hmm. Never, never, never. Um, make sure you use lube and use condoms. Like condoms are really, really important. And never go from anal sex to vaginal sex. It's mm. the worst thing you can do because you're transferring Infection. bacteria huh. into the uh, into the vagina, which could be could have some serious consequences. Have some huh? When so, you think about it, I never thought about it. But even in porn, they never do. But it's they porn. Never, they never start from anal and then go vaginal. They usually start the they do with vaginal to anal. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Well, they're protecting themselves too. Eh? Let's, yeah. Yeah. They don't want to get sick either. Though. They're professionals, yeah. exactly. And if they do, if they, they do, they cut. They cut. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. if they go from anal to vaginal, and that's what you see. Yeah. You didn't see the in between yeah. washing off. Mm. You didn't see that part. Yeah. So, but that's where porn is is dangerous for teaching, right? Because mm. wow, they did it in that movie. Yeah, but you didn't see the cuts, and you mm-hmm. didn't see the edits, and you didn't see. This isn't in real time. Mm-hmm. Guys don't last for a, a full hour. That's not mm-hmm. real time. Yeah. You know. So anyway. That's what's the proper ethics for threesomes? Uh, I'm not sure that there's like a proper ethics. You have to make sure everybody's consenting. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure that if you're going to engage in this, that you, your partnership is solid. Uh, like if you're a couple looking for a third, mm-hmm. for example, you want to make sure you have open so communication. You, so how, I guess how do you introduce a third? Yes, I that's, <laughs> that's the better, I guess that's a better question for everybody. Yeah. So most guys would love it, but, uh, many women are like, oh, I don't think so. So you want, what you want to do is gauge your partner's, uh, interest. So you can say, you can say, could we talk about our fantasies? Like, this is my fantasy. It doesn't mean I want to do it in real life. Like I just, I'm just telling you what my mm-hmm. fantasy is. And then if she says to you. That might be cool. 
Maybe we should do that. Then you've got it, okay? Mm -hmm. So you get to find out what your partner actually thinks. Mm -hmm. If she says, oh, I would never do that. I'd be so jealous. Like, forget it. Then you can't do it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like if if it's going to cause that kind of jealousy, it will ruin your relationship. And remember one thing, that fantasy is far more powerful than in reality. For many people, once they do the threesome, you're like, yeah, it they ru- they that. ruin the fantasy because there's other factors that they, yeah. didn't, they didn't factor consider. in. You know, they didn't mm-hmm. consider. Mm-hmm. So if they're two guys, one girl, they're like, oh, they the didn't realize they didn't realize good, that the you know, yeah, stuff. or they didn't realize their swords would cross or whatever. They're like, ah, you know, oh yeah, definitely. there's all kinds of things. So <laughs> we're good around. It. <laughs> definitely. We don't call that a threesome around my way. Well, it's just, as it a th- it's just as good a threesome as that hey, two man. girls, one guy. Uh, one thing we forget is that, especially for younger people or whatever, is that we, we assume that a lot of people around us don't do these things that we think are like foreign. Like, hey, I mean? people like, from other continents sometimes are way more sexual than in North America. Like in like countries like Brazil or other countries like Well, people, there's countries that... Yeah. that Definitely, like if you look at, uh, for example, Pornhub analytics, like mm-hmm. every year they do a thing. So they go by country. So, you know, what what uh, each country has their favorite, uh, you know, of type of porn or like Japan has a lot of the, uh, what do you call it, hente porn and mm-hmm. a lot of things like that, like the cartoonish stuff. And um, <laughs> you, I, it's hard to know, like, why, you know, yeah. and, and in some of the more taboo places on earth, like the the South in uh, the Bible Belt mm-hmm. in the states has the highest usage of porn. Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised. You know, it's like because the subject is so repressed. Over that's there. right. So taboo. That's right. Things. What about the Vatican? I wonder what's there. Oh, that's... I don't know. I, <laughs> you know I haven't checked there. on the Pope's you history. Know what's there. <laughs> <laughs> so the last question is a bit more serious. Boo. In relation in relation with all the sexual assault awareness in the last year. How does one not go back to being able to have normal reactions to intimacy without having post-traumatic behavior? Oh, well, you know, this, okay. Uh, Well, you mean if, if something has happened to you, how do you not have flashbacks? Yeah. How do you go back to having, I guess, a normal. Well, this is trauma, right? So for for people who have been sexually molested, Mm -hmm. um, sexually like raped, assaulted, all of these things, it, for some people, it can be very traumatic. For others, not as much. It's hard to say who's going to be traumatized to what degree. It also yeah. depends on the degree, the kind of relationship it was, whatever it was. So therapy is really important. Like talking it out with somebody, with a professional, to be able to let out whatever feelings there are. And I would say make sure the partner has compassion for what you went through. So mm-hmm. if you're going to get back into um, re- you know, sexual activity with a partner, that partner has to be aware that this is traumatizing and it will take a bit of time mm-hmm. to feel safe. It's all mm-hmm. about safety. And so once the person feels safe in your arms, in your bed, then things will be- get better. But as the partner of somebody who's been sexually assaulted, there's a lot of uh, compassion and patience and support is necessary. Definitely. Because <laughs> when you think about it, someone that said, let's say that has been raped, and is now getting to relationship, let's say the first relationship ap- after that rape, yeah. it must be tough. It it's must tough. be tough. And there's certain, both, both it's, it's tough on both. Um, you know, some people don't like to be touched a certain way. Like, uh, let's say you're, somebody molested you by, 
going from behind you all the I time, then that, yeah. the, having their partner spoon them is not an option. Wow. But if they don't tell their partners, not every partner, not every person who is raped or molested will tell their partner out of the shame and everything mm-hmm. that came with it. So they'll just kind of push it aside, you know, but there will, there will be sexual things they won't do, but their partner won't quite understand why. Mm-hmm. So I always say it's important for the partner to know uh, what happened and maybe deal with it together or in therapy together so that the partner knows how do I respond? How do I help my partner? That's what she needs or he needs is how do I help my partner? Hmm. So there you have it, lifers. You have Dr. Lori Batito here coming here, giving you game, giving you knowledge, letting you know how to do what you do in your bedroom or not, not to do. do. <laughs> <laughs> On cue. But yes, man, uh, this is episode 68. As usual, you can always find us. Actually, you can go there. You can you know, um, Well, just some, some can... places where they can find yeah, exactly me are what also. I was say. So if you want to check out the uh, Pornhub Sexual Wellness Center, you mm-hmm. just have to go to pornhub.com slash sex mm-hmm. and it will take you directly to our site, not to any sex site. Pornhub.com. <laughs> I know, slash sex. sex. Go figure. <laughs> it wasn't my idea, but whatever. Okay. Um, drlaurie.com d-r-l-a-u-r-i-e.com you can have uh, find out about my book you can find out about my you can watch the TED Talks which one of them is on um, long-term relationships so passion in long-term relationships and one of them is on female sexual pleasure Great. So, uh, yeah, that's how people can find. They can She's listen also to me. Online. Yeah, I'm well online. Uh, Instagram. I'm on Instagram. Oh yeah, thank I, you. you know, I, See, I, I forget, sent, I sent, right? I sent you a, a message on Instagram. But I guess you don't read them, and but you. you oh, you're you right. I don't read right them. Away. I like, don't read. I don't even know how. I'm like, <laughs> what's I'm like, this notification? Show? <laughs> no. I, I actually, you know what? I I really never check yeah. messages on Instagram, and I know I should because that's where everybody goes. So, uh, Doctor Lori Batito, D R L A U R I E, and my last. Same spell B E T I T O. So, yes, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Perfect. You want to give them your handles, Red? Mine are at freddy.freddylloyd. I don't know why I just forgot again. Hey, mine, <laughs> mine is L I T O B R I G A N T E. Hey, we haven't done that in a while. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't given our handles in a while. But yes, uh, you can find the episodes. As you've been doing for the past few weeks on Google Play, on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on TuneIn, you could definitely find it on our website, fmlpodcast.life. Definitely on Facebook, YouTube. This week, I didn't forget YouTube. You could definitely check out the videos on YouTube. And, you know, tell a friend to tell a friend, comment, let us know what you think. Let uh, Dr. Lori Batito know what questions you may have that you know email her email her she might get back to you if you email her (laughs) or at least listen to my show you'll get the answer on air it's a really interesting show by the way thank you very much i appreciate it so we're really thankful for you to have come by and uh, my pleasure keep keep educating our montrealers and and this on the world pleasure is mine on those radio waves (laughs) all right man so this is the end of the episode see y'all next week later CB zigzag, cigarette king size Quelques grammes de Marie-Jeanne, barbe en cours Morgane, flottant dans nos organes 
Ce soir, je serai le capitaine, j'aime bien ma solitude, mais ce soir, je capitule. High en altitude, j'avance avec certitude. Belle femme, beaucoup d'attitude, j'ai l'habitude. Climat mortel, ce soir, c'est la canicule. J'ai des parfaites syllabes pour faire vibrer le silence. Dis-moi ce qui te dérange, faut pas manger tellement. Si t'es pas trop confortable, reste à l'abri des regards. Du matin, je devrais te dire au revoir. J'ai déjà brisé la glace, détruit toutes les barricades. Tout le monde est venu sans jaillir, pourquoi tu résistes Allez, ramène tes sisters sur la piste. J'aime pas trop forcer les choses, mais pour toi, j'insiste. Marie-Jeanne, j'aime, j'aime, Marie-Jeanne. Marie-Jeanne, j'aime, j'aime, Marie-Jeanne. Marie-Jeanne, j'aime, 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 Marie-Jeanne. Marie-Jeanne, j'aime, j'aime, Marie-Jeanne. Marie-Jeanne, j'aime, j'aime, Marie-Jeanne. Marie-Jeanne. J'aime, j'aime, Marie-Jeanne, Marie-Jeanne, j'aime, 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 Marie-Jeanne, Marie-Jeanne, j'aime, j'aime, Marie-Jeanne. Faut pas le voir pour le croire, faut le croire pour le voir. J'ai tout ce qu'il faut pour toi, je te ferai briller dans le noir. Le club est pacté, j'ai du mal à te capter. J'arrive à voir tes belles côtes, tenues décontractées. Je peux voir que t'es high, je peux voir que tu planes. Depuis sur terre, mais je peux voir que tu fly. Depuis toi sur Snapchat, quand chez nous ça passe pas. Mental de guerre, par chez nous ça casse pas. J'ai les parfaits, c'est là pour faire vibrer le silence. Dis-moi ce qui te dérange, faut pas manger tes mots. Si t'es pas trop confortable, reste à l'abri des regards. Sauf qu'à 3 heures du matin, je devrais te dire au revoir. Marie-Jeanne, j'aime, j'aime, Marie-Jeanne. Marie-Jeanne, j'aime, j'aime, Marie-Jeanne. Marie-Jeanne, j'aime, 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 Marie-Jeanne. Marie-Jeanne, j'aime, j'aime, Marie-Jeanne. Marie-Jeanne, j'aime, j'aime, Marie-Jeanne. Marie-Jeanne. J'aime, j'aime, Marie-Jeanne, Marie-Jeanne, j'aime, 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 Marie-Jeanne, Marie-Jeanne, j'aime, j'aime, Marie-Jeanne. Marie-Jeanne, j'aime, j'aime, Marie-Jeanne, Marie-Jeanne, j'aime, j'aime, Marie-Jeanne, Marie-Jeanne, j'aime, j'aime, Marie-Jeanne, Marie-Jeanne,